Say your name and what you do. Chris Velosky, and I own a business. <laughs> Hi, my name is Marissa Kelly, and I also own a business. This is the Business AF Podcast, where it's all business most of the time. One of the reasons why we wanted to start this podcast was one to like give people um, an insight into business and all the processes that we need to do, and you know what what is our what are our businesses about, and kind of grow together in that sense but also talk about people's passions outside of work. And so um, Chris and I have hung out a few times outside of a work setting um, and actually probably bonded at Startup Week where it wasn't like business related events. Um, And so I invited Chris to come watch soccer with me and a few of my 20 closest friends uh, that watch the same team every Sunday or every weekend. And uh, yeah, let's fix the, so I went um, and we'll get into your your introduction in a little bit. So um, on Sunday morning, I went to watch uh, my team, which is Arsenal play a huge game. Um, It was uh, basically a rivalry game for those who don't know. And so I was just looking at my pictures and I had a picture of shots at 8.30 in the morning. So (laughs) that was my weekend. And I was probably home by like noon, I think. I was home by noon and ready to like take a nap and just kind of reset my Sunday. Um, But that's, you know, that those things I do, um, you know, with my friends and, you know, really kind of make me want to be a better business owner so that I can enjoy those things more often. Um, And it's not, you're not, as a business owner, you have passions outside of work, right? Like in your, um, in your case, you know, your, your kids or, you know, playing golf and stuff, which I learned last week. Um, So yeah, we just wanted to give a little bit of insight into our lives outside of the work stuff. Um, So are we going live? Oh, yeah. go um, okay, so we are going to, one, talk about you, um, and then also talk about your business, um, where you see yourself going in the near future, and then also a little bit about your passion. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, Mike, um, to those who may be watching or watching now or on the replay. Sure. So my name is Mike Roofing. Uh, I own Problem Solvers Consultants. We're a digital marketing agency based on the East Coast in wild and wonderful West Virginia. Um, so like Marissa, like you said, I, I do have a lot of passions. I have a, a soon-to-be six-year-old, and, uh, and I love to play golf. So uh, my agency is definitely a way for me to be able to get to do more of those things without a doubt. Right. And you, how long have you been uh, having this business? Your business. So started my agency in 2012. So this will be year seven. Wow, right. congratulations. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. We are very uh, happy to have you on because you could probably give us a lot of insight into business ups and downs and struggles. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you and I met. Um, we met through... Um, Social media marketing world. Yeah, through Hoover. Hoover, yeah. way I met Chris. Uh, <laughs> Oh, Hova. Hova, Hova, whatever. whatever I'm going to call it Hova. I think it's Hova, but I call it Hova. Anyways. uh, Jay-Z fan, so it's got to be Hova. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so like Social Media Marketing World had the same um, app that we had for Startup Week. And um, they had a group for Pittsburgh only or Pittsburgh like people that are in like social media or whatever. I'm not from Pittsburgh, but when the app was released, I was in Pittsburgh. My family's from Pittsburgh or my mom's from Pittsburgh. My, a lot of cousins are from there. And I really just identify with that whole like Pittsburghese mentality. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'm connecting with these people. So we adopted her. We took her in under our, we adopted she her. has better weather than we do. Yeah. So don't hold it against her. That's for sure. Yeah, and then I think we didn't really like plan to meet, but then I saw you in a session. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, yeah. We just sat, we sat one row apart from each other, right behind each other and got to meet yeah. each other that way. And it just kind of worked out. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. That was really cool. So um, thank you for joining us again. Um, what is your, uh, look at that, like the oh, internet. Yeah. Bring people together. It does. So um, it really is about making connections. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. This is a testament to it. When you do it right. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, do you have any, um, do you specialize in specific, I know you said digital marketing agency and, you know, we've kind of covered this on, on different shows, but um, do you specialize in any style of business or like type of client? Um, yep. So, so all we work with is specifically small businesses with less than 10 employees. Okay. That's, that's our only agency work that we do. My, my background is I, I spent 18 years in corporate marketing and operations. So whenever mm -hmm. I, I left my last corporation, I worked for Advanced Auto Parts for over 11 and a half years. And when I left there, I had almost 200 people and I swore I would never do that again um, because yeah. that's how you end up with no hair left and you have to wear a hat all the time. Right. So, <laughs> I, uh, so my, but my agency was, was more, um, it really, it was born out of necessity. You know, I, I had a couple of friends of mine and I, I worked for a mentorship called, a group called SCORE um, mm -hmm. where we would mentor clients and we do we did a lot of free work. And, and eventually it just came to the point where uh, a lot of the people that are that were in SCORE said, you just need to get paid to do this because just coaching people on it isn't enough. Mm -hmm. And and essentially I was I was literally forced because I was given a check and said I needed to have an LLC in order to open a checking account to process the check. Um, oh wow! So I, I was quite literally forced to start my agency. Oh wow, that's and, awesome! And I, I kept my day job, and I, I had the agency for the first two two and a half years while I had my day job, mm -hmm. um, which was a great thing. You, you were talking about some some struggles and trials and tribulations. Yeah. Uh, my my first year we lost seventy eight thousand um, wow. dollars. So the uh, it was a really good thing that I had I had a good paying day job. Right. Because so, otherwise, my wife probably would have divorced me. And uh, I'd be in a much different boat today if that was the case. So, right. Um, could I ask? So, how did you lose seventy-eight thousand dollars as a digital marketing a marketing uh, startup? You know, a lot of it was was in. Like I said, I, I came from the world where if we needed something or we wanted to execute a strategy, we had it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, whenever I started doing things on my own, and and I started very quickly seeing that, you know, the costs of you know, split testing software like Ad Espresso at $1,500 a year. And then, you know, all the different expenses for software. And then, you know, I, I, I slowly, slowly by my standard, but quickly by most people's standard, built a team. And then I had to train them. So I spent a lot of money in online education and training for team members because I, we would hire copywriters and they were great for writing copy for magazines or for different books, but they didn't necessarily understand social media. So I was buying, you know, specifically copywriting around what their job was same mm -hmm. thing with graphic designers they they could design you know web pages and they could design a, a lot of you know print but they couldn't necessarily design at the proper speed for social media and for different things mm -hmm. so right. i invested a lot of money there uh, media marketing world was another one yeah um you know I, I take me and karen my second in command and sometimes another person by the time you take flights and hotels and everything else, I mean, that cost me $10,000 for every, every one of those we go to. Um, right. You know, we, we didn't have any equipment. So that first year we were buying, um, you know, we, we bought two cameras. We bought, uh, you know, so we bought a half a dozen lenses. We were buying memory cards, you know, four laptops, a Surface, two iPads. I mean, when, when you, it doesn't seem like it because we take yeah. a lot of that stuff for granted. But when you get to the end of the year, like I said, and, and I wasn't uh, probably as studious since I had a day job at paying attention to the expenses that were going out compared mm -hmm. to the income that was coming in. Right. And, uh, you know, when you when you're all said and done with it, I mean, it put us in a really good spot going forward because I have very I have very lean expenses now. Right. But right. I ate them all up front to make sure we could put together a good product on the table, because I think that's that's a lot of what we do. It's what it's about. If you can't put something mm -hmm. out there that gets people to interact with it and you know, the quality is not where it needs to be. I don't think the agency would have sustained itself this long. Right. And you could bring up a good point. Uh, all these things that are like, like I've been using this analogy the last couple of weeks is like bottom of the iceberg, like all the stuff you don't see. And then all these business owners are like, oh, like I want to be like this person, like what they see on social. 
mm-hmm. but they don't see all of the work that they had to, that you or your team or me or even him, he's in UI UX, like design, coding, I don't know how to say it, simply. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah the user interface, user experience, also being able to mm-hmm. develop the mm-hmm. website or application needed for, for the client. Right. And the, that's what people see. They see like a really cool website or they see like a nice curated like YouTube channel or whatever. They don't realize like all the stuff that you've had to buy and what adds up into like the cost, right? So like if they're gonna if you're gonna do it on your own, like you had to for that first year, seventy eight thousand dollars, that's more expensive than hiring a consultant or someone like you or someone like me to pay a monthly retainer of you know three, four thousand dollars, whatever it is, and that's cheaper than having to buy all the stuff, right? Like same with like potentially, I'm sure with you with all the software that you have to do. Yeah. That you have to implement and all the tools and stuff like that so it's i'm glad you said the number because hopefully someone's watching this eventually and is like oh yeah i don't want to invest the seventy-eight thousand right yeah now. and it depends like what business you're in like um, yeah like fortunately i don't have to invest that much money other than good computers and uh that's about it we can work anywhere yeah um, right and then but just also like our own server space but that's about it Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of the costs come from the clients. True, but you're also your intellectual property. The stuff you know costs a lot. How much did you invest in your, like, in your oh, career, yeah, in set, your like yeah. skill set, all of that? You know, certification stuff to get you. That's over six figures. That's for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Um, so, uh, Mike, I want to pivot just a little bit into like. Um, maybe you know you, that was your struggle um and now you you know you you built an agency you're fully on your own you're able to travel go to social media marketing world what do you see uh foresee for problem solvers consultants like in the future in the next year or so um i, I mean we're we're almost at capacity right now um, mm-hmm. we set we set a cap we don't work with more than 20 customers at a time mm-hmm. so that's our cap and we're we're pretty much there we just uh we just onboarded three new clients last week and we have two more to do this week and that's going to put us one short of capacity. So we're mm-hmm. kind of at, uh, I don't want to call it the cruise control point, uh, Yeah. but I, I, uh, I'm not one of those people that wants to, to be a household name. I, I don't like, uh, this is, this is tough for me to be doing this. So <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of, of being out there in front of people, but, yeah. um, really the, 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 I think where our growth comes from isn't necessarily going to be monetary. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, we spent we spent the last year or so, so cultivating some relationships. Um, I've actually been been teaching some social media and some marketing classes at some local colleges and universities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had a conversation about becoming an adjunct professor at, at Fairmont State. Um, and I think that uh, that'll probably be where my next steps um, go. Mm-hmm. Just as a just a way to give back and I think help some of the some of the people coming up to avoid mm-hmm. some of the mistakes and and just to help teach them some of the things. Uh, yeah. Because realistically, university, even though they are starting to come on board, I think we all know at the rate that things change, by the time they put it in a book, it's already outdated. Right, right. And so being able to, I think, help them with the practical, with the here and now is Mm going to be is going to be my next step that I really want to spend time with Um, because my my team does a really great job with our clients and with our customers. So, yeah, spend too much time there, which is a which is a win. (laughs) Yeah, that, I mean that brings up a good point because I I have taught locally here at USD, and I taught basically the course that I took that made me realize okay I need to focus on social, um, but the curriculum that I went through two years ago is way different than like what I had to build to like do a four week course on social media. It's mm-hmm. like changes all the time, and you almost need someone a trusted resource like yourself or or me or whoever to like guide you through that you know as things change because it's no longer just like setting up a facebook page right like which is what it was like three years ago or two years ago depending on you know you need more than that right so what do you what do you see like what are the trends in terms of this industry what do you foresee coming up in the next like six months 
Uh, well, I think the the biggest pieces are, and I, Chris, you even touched on it earlier. It's just you, you have to be you have to interact with people. You know, too many too many businesses think that it's just another way to put a, a newspaper a newspaper ad. Let's just put it on social media. Here's here's my stuff. Buy my stuff. Here's what's coming up. Here's events that are important to me. So you like us. So you, these should be important to you. And <laughs> and then they just they post it and then they leave it and they forget it and never do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and really at the, at the core of what we help them do is, is our team actually helps engage their potential customers and actually comments on, on the posts they, that they write and, you mm-hmm. know, make sure that whenever customers leave a comment that somebody answers them or thanks them or mm-hmm. answers their question or asks them a question. Right. Um, you know, we, we spend a lot of time. It's, you know, it's, it's the new buzz, right? User generated content. So we right. spend a lot of time. You know, people don't understand. Well, how do I get people to give it to me? We have to ask them for it. Yeah, <laughs> like it's right. not it's not all that hard. But then when they send it to you, you have to do something with it. You have right. to, you know, thank them for sending it. You have to use it in a campaign. You have to, you know, mm-hmm. highlight it or spotlight it somewhere and show them so then they can be excited and share it with their friends. Right. And they're just there's too many businesses that don't not only don't understand, but really don't want to. You know, they they right. want it to be just another way. If I give you money, I should be able to do whatever I want and put my message out there. And realistically, the, the platforms will take your money Yeah. From a, from a return and actually getting something for your money. It, right. it takes a lot more, you know, your, your iceberg analogy is perfect to see, yeah. you know, what it takes on the back end of a copywriter actually looking mm-hmm. to see, you know, what terms and phrases will get somebody to engage or to do something. Right. You know, and then, then how do you have, you know, what type of video do you produce or what kind of image do you make that mm-hmm. stops people from scrolling that will then get them to engage with that copy? Right. You know, and once they do, what do you do with it? You know, is there somebody there that's monitoring it that can comment and respond real time and not wait three hours to respond to a, hey, what time are you guys open till today when they comment? Right. On oh, yeah. Super. And that's like one of the most annoying things. Like if you have a Facebook page and I'm reaching out, are you open for this? And you don't get back to me. I'm like, <laughs> like you need someone on that all the time, you know, not maybe not all the time or have an automated message, like go to the you know, check our hours or something, you know, and I think people are like very like, oh, look at my stuff, buy my stuff. I put it on. It doesn't work. But they never looked at the data. Well, and, I'm, and I stay on the fence because I, I do think at a bare minimum, people should be building either automated responses or chat bots to answer those easy questions. Right. Right. You know, if you have a restaurant, you know, you know, people are going to ask what time are you open? They know, you know, you're going to ask what kind of food do you have? Like these are easy automated responses. Right. Exactly. I personally, and with our clients, I would still rather have a person answer. Yeah. Um, I, I have had, I've had too many, we'll call them mediocre experiences with chatbots to this point yeah. where they, they may get the job done, but sometimes they get lost. And then what happens is, is then they go to transfer you to a person because they hit that roadblock and they know that the bot is done. And then yeah. there's nobody there to answer me anyway. Right, right. So if you rely on the chat bot, I, 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 at least in my personal opinion, I think it's created more issues for businesses than mm-hmm. it's solved unless it's a large scale business to just right. eliminate some of those easy, frequently asked questions. And then you still have somebody there to answer on the back end. But right. for most small businesses, if you have somebody there on the back end, you probably don't even have the need for the chat bot. Right, exactly. exactly. Actually, that's funny that we're talking about chat bots. So one of my clients were implementing implementing a chatbot system on their website because they are losing um they're they're having people fall off so it's like a long survey they have to go through before even uh creating creating an account on their uh, website uh so we're thinking you know because a lot of people aren't calling and we they want people to call or at least be more engaged in the application so they're they are hiring someone uh, to just be on the other side of the chatbot system to answer these questions, yeah. you know, instead, of, instead of going with an AI approach. Yeah. Um, I guess we're going to test it because we're just trying to stick as agile as possible yeah. or be as agile as possible and then see if it works for a few weeks. And if it doesn't, they'll toss it out the door. Mm-hmm. But just see how it works for us. And that I think that's a good method, like agile method, which is kind of what we've implemented for this podcast. It's like, hey, let's, you know, invite guests let's you know see what works let's see what we're talking about and then you know you've got to move with the industry and move with what you're testing um which we tried facebook last week and now we're like back on youtube 
<laughs> we want to do YouTube and we feel it could be more valuable. Yeah, it reaches more people than our, because right now the way that Facebook is, we have it in the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. So I think He's there's, in the group. Oh, okay, we yeah. have like about 150 members or so. Yeah. So that's But you have to like join the Facebook group to watch the video, right? Versus right. like just watch the video and hear your story, hear our story, hear our expertise. Um, so you want to talk about um, his uh, side side passions? <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah, he's, like, a, he's into yeah, golf. golf. Yeah, yeah, I'm not great at golf. I, I I'll play, but those are my only stipulations. As long as long as you can have a good time and enjoy yourself on the golf course, there's no throwing golf clubs. Other than that, I'm good. Well, it's a good time for drinking. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't know if we were PG thirteen, but that's oh, no, the stipulation is you have to be able to have an adult beverage. Um, yeah, so yeah, it's a good like beer drinking sport. Yeah, it's it's actually funny. So it, you talked about turning passions into what you do. So we actually created a spinoff of problem solvers that it still works under the same, but we actually do digital for golf courses across the country. Oh wow! Oh really? Yeah, so we help them with social media. We help them with some of their online advertising. We help them with some of their funnels for private clubs. And realistically, it's an excuse for me to just go play golf is what it is. Because <laughs> those are the worst business trips to go on when your client owns and runs a golf course. It makes it really hard to want to do anything else. So. I understand. But do you get the perks of working with golf courses? or We do. Almost every, almost every time we show up to shoot content on site, we get to play at least once. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. And I get to tell my wife that I'm working. So that's always, that's always a win. Yeah. I used to do social media for a soccer club here locally. So I was working, but also I, I don't, I wouldn't do it though. I don't want to do it long-term. Like I used to think that I wanted to work in what I'm passionate about, but like I just lose passion for the game itself because I'm working. Does that make sense? And I think if, I, I would agree with you, though. I think if, yeah. if I had to do all the back end work, yeah. I mean, es essentially, I'm on site just shooting the content. So, yeah. like, the editing and all the work is all done yeah. by the team on the back end. So, mm -hmm. I'm literally just out there enjoying sunshine, green grass, and <laughs> playing golf with a bunch of guys and shooting yeah. video and, and images. And then I get to turn it over. So, the, I think that the easiest fun, part, and the work I don't have to do anymore. <laughs> so, to me, it was like the perfect, uh, the perfect yeah. storm. I think it was, um, well, it was such a small club that like, we were really like, we were really banking on like attendance and like, you know, people coming and like, we had a good online presence and like we had hype, but people wouldn't come to the game. And so like, you'd be so excited because your Facebook's active. You have all these people interested. You have like people going to your website. People want to know they're tweeting about it. And then you get to the game day and you're like, Where's everyone, you know? And then that became your main reason for, you know, watching the game. It's like you weren't excited about watching the game anymore. You were like, oh, my God, I got a score. Or, like, we went on, like, a four-loss, like, run, and then our attendance dropped off. So it was like, dude, just win so we can get people here. Like, how can you get people to the game if you're losing, you know? And so my excitement for the industry – like dwindled a little bit because it was attached to like winning, you know, mm. and we were losing. So it was not good. It was not good. Um, so yeah. Um, would you, would you have you, okay. So you say you're problem solver, solvers consultants, and then you're doing golf for like digital marketing for golf. You have like a separate brand for that. Have you set up one or are you ever thinking about doing that? Yeah, so it, it's branded separately. It just it okay. works under the it's still under the umbrella of problem solvers. Mm, so it's okay. it's branded. Go for it. F O R E is in four. Um, mm. They have their own Facebook, social media. Uh, they they do their own content. Um, oh. So it, it is branded by itself, and and it does well. Mm. We uh we do we go for it has a booth at the PGA show every year in January down in Florida. Um, oh wow. So Chris, you were asking about cost. That does it real quick. Oh right. <laughs> Yeah, our, our cost for I think for that is like twenty two thousand bucks just for the just for the PGA show every year. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's so, right, just to be there, right? Like not like hotels and stuff. No, that that's my total all in. Mm -hmm. I, we we have a uh, we have a ten by ten booth, and mm -hmm. then uh, we have we have a TV and some other stuff that are set up, and we do a putting contest 
Um, and we have, uh, we have, they're called caddy girls that come down and they, they, uh, we have, so we have, we have a pretty good booth, I would say for, yes. for a really small company at the PGA show. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it, it, it does all its own work, its own brand and everything. So cool. And then do you see uh, traction with that? So we do, um, really what I, what it does more than anything is, is it fills top funnel for us. Um, because of the, without having, if we were to try to spend across the country, even with targeted advertising, it would cost us significantly more, um, mm -hmm. because the decision makers, uh, and we found this out early on, the decision makers in golf vary a lot. Um, it's, it's not like, you know, for Marissa, for me and you, for B2B, we, we would target C levels, right. Or we would target yeah. most or, or somebody making that decision to sign the check. Mm -hmm. Well, believe it or not, most of the owners of the golf course don't make that decision. Yeah. Um, and, and the people who do, they have odd titles. Like there, there's some that are, that are general managers that make the marketing decision. And then sometimes the general manager doesn't have anything to do with it. The golf pro does. And we found that it just, every course did it differently. Mm -hmm. And there really wasn't a, at least we haven't found yet a really good way to target them. So we do, mm -hmm. we do two or three big golf events a year, um, either for the PGA show or we do different PGA section events. Um, for mm -hmm. some of the larger PGA sections. And that's really how we found that we got to, we got to be in touch with and meet the decision maker. And then essentially it's still the, it's still our top funnel because they have no idea who we are. They don't know what we do, but at least we get them in the right place where we can then get them in and get them to our website and start to fill out, you know, and we get their information mm -hmm. just to be able to start them down the path of who we are and how we could help them um, so that they can kind of see it because it's also yeah. an antiquated industry that really doesn't understand and really doesn't utilize right you know, digital for in for most cases mm -hmm. yeah one time i worked for a company like four no five years ago and uh one of the uh sister companies was called whole high uh and uh they just focus on like uh advertising with the flags that go into the holes mm -hmm. uh they're focusing on that and uh have you uh, heard of uh, sponsors on that? Speaking of flags, have you heard of any or worked with any foot golf courses? I have not, and I actually not foot golf, but I have a very good friend that plays disc golf. Okay, um, and he yeah. loves it. And every week I see he's playing somewhere else. Yeah, and uh, it it is. I think it's a creative way between disc golf and foot golf to get other people involved that don't that don't necessarily like traditional golf. And yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Well, foot golf is you know um, soccer and and golf together, and so like um, I actually have done a few foot golf events here locally for charity um, because we are involved in soccer, and then the golf course has low turnout, so they want to do these events um, that brings in other people. But that's like a whole nother avenue that I think now with like golf as a sport. I think, I don't know, maybe I, I, you might know better than me, but I don't think it's that prevalent now. I think less people are playing golf. I don't know. Maybe where you are, they are playing, but not here in San Diego. I don't um, know. I, I think you would be, the, so the actual national numbers are, are showing it growing again. Um, mm -hmm. there, was, there was about a four or five year span that, that golf was on a decline. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, uh, it really wasn't a huge decline. The, mm -hmm. the biggest, the issue that we have here in the States that internationally didn't happen was in the States, we built too many golf courses too fast. Mm -hmm. So from a private golf industry, we couldn't sustain with the people that were, had the ability to be, become members. You mm -hmm. know, when you look at the number of people that could afford to spend the money that it takes to join a private club at the rate that they opened, we just didn't produce enough people with enough money. It's, it's, right. it's almost like that, how that middle class is shrinking. It, it killed mm -hmm. it. And the golf course industry didn't see that. And they grew at a, an unexpected rate and they opened more clubs than they ever should have. Right. But, you know, uh, housing developers were opening golf courses so they could sell more houses and mm -hmm. sell more property at a higher rate. You know, it was just, it was a, it was a, another perfect storm of things that they just decided to do. So mm -hmm. from a, from a recreational person's perspective, you see all these golf courses are closing and you see all this stuff and it's not necessarily because the industry's bad. I mean, the industry is a, is a, uh, I forget what the number is, but it's like a 12 and a half billion dollar industry. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it's the money's there. It's right. just, uh, it's just in certain places. 
Um, and I play a lot of SoCal golf, by the way. Every time I come out there, I got to enjoy <laughs> that weather somehow. Yeah, oh, yeah. San Diego. Down here. Well, and maybe it's because maybe it's the prevalence of the golf courses that I go around. Like there's one like near my veterinarian's office and it's like yellow grass and like doesn't look like there's anyone. And I think it's, you know, part drought, part, you know, not a lot of people there, but it's like, yeah. I'm like, this is sad because there's all this green land and I'm like, I want it to be used properly, but it just like looks like a ghost town, you know? And it's like, uh, yeah. Well, let me ask this. So you said for four or five years, the golf industry was dying out a little bit. Do they uh, have conclusions as to why? Well, I, so the, the four or five years that it was down, it was really, it was down off at an all time high. So, and I don't know, Chris, I don't know how old you are, but in the late nineties, when Tiger came out, mm -hmm. golf went, golf went from being, the the upper middle class the up you know to white collar sport to everybody can play mm -hmm. and from 1998 to, I think it's like 2011 um, when Tiger really ruled the sport of golf the 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 number of golfers both recreational and private grew exponentially faster than it ever had before um, from a TV viewership from uh, an actual playing perspective the industry as a whole. Uh, the number was, was something staggering. It was like 12,000% they grew in that 12 years or something. So Tiger Woods was I, I, mean, I think it was a combination of Tiger and the, the sport as a whole changing some of what they did. Um, I think social media helped them a lot. Um, I think just being able to, to have brand personalities and not just TV commercials really mm -hmm. helped them grow. And Tiger was at the forefront of it. But if you look today, you know, even where they're at every single, every single golfer and, and the LPGA tour actually did the best job of this was mm -hmm. using social media to grow a brand. The LPGA about eight or nine years ago was almost bankrupt and going to close and go out of business. Oh, and, wow. and they, they brought in a, they brought in a, I, I, I want to say Craig Kahn was that he was either vice president of marketing or, or he, he had some title that was related to marketing and he was the vice president, second in command for the LPGA. And that was, the, the two biggest things that he impressed on them is one, all of the female golfers had to learn how to speak English, because if you were going to grow your viewer base in the States, the Korean contingent had to, had to be able to communicate with the U S fans. And the second thing they had to do was they, everybody had to be active on social media. It was actually part of their player contract with the LPGA was they had to create content. They had to be active and they had to grow their own brand for their own, for their own monetary purposes, but also the LPGA brand. And if you look at it today, it, it's it's significantly stronger, and they they actually operate completely on their own now, and mm -hmm. for that reason. And and Craig Kahn actually now has a private consultancy where he teaches a lot of how how they made that transition and went from being almost out of you know almost out of commission to being one of the most prevalent tours in the world. Wow, mm -hmm. that's really interesting info. Um, I need I need to do research now. And and he actually he did it during that downturn in golf. That's that's the even, oh, really? that's the even stronger part to what the LPGA was able to do because theirs has been in that last eight or nine years when everybody else, like I said, they're, they're down off an all time high, but they mm -hmm. were still seeing a little slide, and the LPGA was able to make it better than anybody else. And from a case study perspective on being able to use digital to really yeah. to essentially, I mean, they stopped a failing, you know, multi million dollar business. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was the two, that was the two staples of what they changed. Wow. That's really interesting. Case studies. They yeah. really help you. Um, so do you have anything else that you want to talk about golf? Uh, no, it's just interesting to like, know. I know he has a lot of domain knowledge. Yes. Domain. Domain. I spend a lot. I spend a lot of time in that domain. If my swing was better, it might be okay. But <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the digital side of it and less in the, the real life swinging the club yeah. side. Yeah, what's that place that it's oh my god, it's a huge business. It's a place where you just go hit balls. Top yeah. golf. Top golf. Yeah. Have you been oh there? Oh my god, that's crazy. That's a that yeah. business is insane. Yeah. I, mean, it's I wish I would have thought about it. Every golf course, <laughs> you can do this at every golf course, but they just like where you can just drive the ball. That's all it is. And I mean, so you made a perfect example of it though. So all they did was reinvent and gamify the driving range. 
Yeah. That was, that's exactly what they did is they, they took a dying business that, which was driving ranges because nobody mm-hmm. would go and use them and pay for buckets of balls. Right. And they, they used gamification and made it fun and they brought food and beverage into it. And now it's, it's the same thing. It's growing leaps and bounds. Right. They just opened, I think four new top golfs in like the last two months. Yeah, it's actually pretty fun. I've never been. Maybe that's our next. Live. You definitely should go. I, I actually have Top Golf gift cards in my wallet. I would love. Okay, to I'll send you my address. <laughs> I'll send you one. You you should definitely go and enjoy it. Yeah, it's fun. You know, like you have the drinks going. It's like golf, but at a driving range. You know, you get and to have your few beers, and you don't have to worry about crashing a golf cart at Top Golf. Yeah, <laughs> that's the fun part, though. Oh my god, <laughs> Chris, this is the this is the misfit of the two of us. Chris is the so player. no, actually, um, my friend when we were back in college, he he was a, a caddy, and, uh, and then at the end, end of the night, or we used to go. That's how I started golfing. It was because mm-hmm. he would get us in for free on the times when it was mm-hmm. dead, and uh, or it wasn't busy, mm-hmm. and so after a few drinks, you know, we're and then we're also underage, you know, we're like nineteen at the time. <laughs> Because <laughs> he used to open up the cart for us with alcohol cart, mm-hmm. and then we take some alcohol with us. And, oh my god! And then we underage drinking. Yeah. We don't promote this. I, I was gonna say P- PSA: everybody in this video is over twenty-one and is yeah. yes. drink. <laughs> so it was just a fun time. Yeah, you know? and then that's how I got into it. Though it was fun, and then he would actually give us free lessons. As oh, well, that's so. cool. Yeah, that's a win. Two for one, yeah. two for one. Cool. So, um. Um, also about your business, um, for your clients, when you first, uh, so your company is now, I'm sure much more mature than what it was, you know, seven years ago. Um, so when you first started, were you trying to get any client, uh, on board and now are you more picky or are you still kind of like in the same realm where you're just trying to work with any type of client that comes your way? So I, I think, and and maybe I'm wrong, but from a lot of the people that I talked to, we were different from the beginning. Um, we, we always made sure that anybody that we worked with, even those people that I was mentoring, they had a successful business and they had a successful product or service. Mm-hmm. So we, we've, we've always stayed away from what I call the sinking ship. If you didn't do any marketing and didn't do any, any research and didn't do anything for your business until you were already losing money and to go out of business, there's yeah. no way we're going to save it. It's mm-hmm. just we can't bail water fast enough for you because now at this point on the downward slide, you also don't have any funds left. When right. the business was new and had funds, you decided to keep them all. And now that you don't have any funds now, there's nothing I can do to save that. Right. Um, but we've I wouldn't necessarily say we're picky um, mm-hmm. because we, we you know, we don't necessarily worry about industry specifics or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We more look at the business as a whole. Is it well run? Is it somebody we want to be associated with? Do they have a proven product or service? You know, is it something that are they going to be open to fixing? You know, if we find, you know, the website doesn't convert yet, they hired us for social media. Are they going to tell us we're stuck with what they have? And, and we do, we do a lot of, we have a lot of conversation before we ever sign with a client mm-hmm. um, just to make sure that they're a good fit for us and we're a good fit for them. Right. And, I mean, we, we still have occasions where it doesn't work out and, you know, where we, where we strike out, but. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we try to do a lot of due diligence. And, and I think that's I think that's only fair for both sides, because yeah. for us to, to come on, essentially all we would be doing would be taking money from a sinking ship, knowing that it's not going to fix it. Right. And, right. and at that point, to me, I wouldn't feel good about that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I guess we've kind of always been that way. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as over the years, we really haven't changed very much. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we, we still do our research. We still we still spend a lot of time. I mean, I would say we probably spend with with potential clients before we sign and not everyone, but the ones we end up signing, we probably spend four or five hours in person before we ever sign. Oh, OK. I mean, no, there's some that we meet for 15, 20 minutes on a video chat. No, it's not going to work. And, and we never talk again. Yeah. But if we if we actually sign them and we work together, we've spent hours together first on both sides to make sure mm-hmm. it's right. And that I think. I mean, you mentioned before that you were you started this business while you were ha- while you had your day job. So did right. did that contribute to that because you had the luxury of having your income from your day job, but also then being picky and refining your process, so to say. 
Yeah, I, I mean, and honestly, I mean, we talked. I mean, we talked about the first year, but we lost money the second year too. We didn't lose that much, yeah. but mm-hmm. we 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 lost a couple thousand dollars in year two. Mm-hmm. So if I if I wouldn't have had another income, I think I would exactly what you're talking about, Chris. I would yeah. have been, I would have been taking any money that could have came in. But mm-hmm. I mean, I had a, I mean, literally, I, I spent 18 years in corporate. So I was at the I was at the tail end of an 18 year career. So my mm-hmm. my paycheck was doing okay, and mm-hmm. you know my wife's been a stay at home mom for for years even before I started the company. So mm-hmm. it's uh you know we we live very comfortably, and I was able to make I think for us what turned out to be better decisions than like you were talking about where you just take anything that comes in. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes that causes more problems. Yeah. Uh, and I understand why you don't really have a choice. You have to do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, if you're able to grow and make better decisions without money being the driving factor, it, it makes, it makes this, this job in this industry, in my opinion, yeah. much more survivable. Right. Oh yeah, totally. I, I was not in a position to take um, be picky when I started because I was working a job, corporate job. Oh my God, this dog is like coming up. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Um, yeah, I had a corporate job, but I had no, I thought I was supposed to go back into corporate. So I was focused on getting another corporate job instead of building my business. Um, and I think that that affected me because it, it took me like a year and a half to really be like, okay, this is where I need to be. And this is, you know, and I'm still refining my process. So I think it can be done both ways. Success can be found both ways, but it is trial and error in the beginning. And I think people get, uh, they, they fantasize about living this working their own, their own schedules and like having these cool things like golf trips and like, vacations to like DC, which I'm going to be there next week. Um, it's not a vacation for me. It's work because I have to be on point. I have to be able to sell myself, sell my services and stuff like that. Well, like this weekend, I didn't even have a three day weekend. You know, oh, yeah. I actually, yesterday I worked probably about five hours or so. Yeah. I was trying to take some time off yesterday. I worked then, yesterday. <laughs> uh, there, I feel like just every day I'm always doing something for the mm-hmm. business. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, because if I work for a corporate company, yeah, I, I just have one role and that's it. You know, mm-hmm. and that's all I do. And then on the weekends, nobody's really working. Yeah. But I'm sure, like, I mean, or you, you might be working. But not speaking of, did you take this weekend off? So, no. No? Um, <laughs> no. Simple well, answer. So before I, before I answer that, though, so first I want to say kudos to you because it is different. And I think just knowing me, if I would have had to build my business the way you did, I probably wouldn't have done it because I, I just, I wouldn't have put up with, you know, if I, if I had a client that, that didn't mesh or didn't fit, I wouldn't have worked with them. I would have, I would have ran out of money and I would have had to take another job. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that that's like you said, it ever, it, you can be successful both ways, but it takes a different kind of person because yeah. like I said, I, I don't know that I would have done it had mm-hmm. I not been able to make the decisions that I made. If I would have been forced to work with, like somebody I didn't like or didn't get along with or a product mm-hmm. or service that, that I didn't believe in, I, yeah. I probably would have quit my agency. So, I, I, I mean, I say that and I don't, I don't say it in jest. I mean, kudos to people that can take that time because yeah. it takes a special kind of person to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to answer your other question this weekend, so um, you, you said you wanted personal. So my son ended up in the emergency room. Oh, my sure. God. He, he has pneumonia. Um, and so I this is the other disclaimer. I'm not a doctor. I don't even pretend to be one on TV. I was under the impression that pneumonia was fluid in your lungs. And apparently it is not only fluid in your lungs. It is caused by a bacteria and pneumonia is also contagious, which I didn't know. I literally thought if you just got water in your lungs, like you would eventually like pneumonia was halfway to drowning. I I don't know. I didn't make it to med school. So, yeah. (laughs) um, So so my son was in the emergency room yesterday for six hours. Bless my wife. She took care of him and took care of all that. Oh. Um, but so that, that was how we spent most of our, most of our Memorial day uh, oh. or labor day. Okay. And, uh, but wow. yeah, he okay now. Uh, he, yeah, he's perfectly fine. He has antibiotics. He's, he's home and, and running amok like he always does. <laughs> uh, he got, he got to stay home from school today. So he was happy about that. <laughs> that was all in the plan. <laughs> That's right. He's like, if I get just sick enough that they let me stay home, everything will be okay. He wanted a four day. 
four day week, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, I, I tell him he's only in kindergarten. How hard can it be? Like you, you still get nap time and you still get to play. You're like, come on. They have no clue. Bank these days for whenever you're in high school and you really don't want to be there. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but no, I mean, from a, from a work perspective, I, I think that's the, that's probably the one thing that I brought with me from the corporate world because of the long hours that I worked is mm-hmm. I've been, I've been very diligent about how I spend my time. Um, so like, like yesterday, uh, that's why I said no, but it's really not no, because I was off all day yesterday. And mm-hmm. then my son went to bed at seven thirty, eight o'clock and I worked for two hours last night. Yeah. You know, I, I went in and did some paperwork. I finished payroll, you know, mm-hmm. little things. And, and I sent I sent one or two emails for people to get this morning when they got into the office. Yeah. But uh, I mean, is that work? I mean, I guess technically it is, It is. Yeah. but I mean, I, I do that almost every day. You right. know, I, I respond to an email here and there, but. I mean, I do it from the golf course. I do it from the clubhouse. I do it from a cigar bar. I do it from, you know, where, I mean, today I'm, I'm at a, I'm at Canaan Valley resort in, in the mountains of West Virginia. I mean, technically I'm working. Yeah. Right. You know, like Chris, you said you can work from anywhere. And and for me coming from the nine to five where you had to punch a clock, Mm -hmm. I don't think I work. Yeah. I mean, I get stuff done, but I don't work. Right. I mean, and I think you were talking about the iceberg. I think that's what people see. And they're like, oh, that's so great. And I'm like, yeah, but you still have to have the discipline to do it. Yeah. yeah. Like payroll, like if I didn't do payroll last night, this whole thing still falls apart. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like it's, not, it's not like people work for free. Right. So. And you have to say, or at least for me, you know, like I have to say no to going out a lot or, or doing things, you know. We need uh, to work on that. He, he no. spends a lot of time. Huh. No, because he always says no. Because he's so overworked, I said you gotta like scale back a little bit so you can grow. I think yeah, maybe. that's I another. Know. That's another. Yeah, that's another podcast. But the thing there is, there are a lot of people that say that. Yeah, I feel like uh, if I'm not doing something, I feel like I'm losing something. Like like if I'm not working on something, then I like there's something in the back of my head where there's mm-hmm. no time to relax. Like I always have to be doing something, or else something's falling apart, mm-hmm. or you know, well, and I think, you know, we were talking about earlier, like the difference between me and Marissa. I mean, I think, I think that's where me and you would differ too. Like to mm-hmm. me, you, you hustle more, like you work to make sure you get everything and to be the best you can be. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure you stay ahead of the game and ahead of your competition. And, and like I said, whenever I was in the corporate world, I cared about that. I worried about politics. I worried about making sure it looked like I worked harder than the other guy. And now I'm more goal oriented. If, if my clients are making money and their ROI is, is, is positive, mm-hmm. then I, I don't feel bad about being here today and not being in the office and not looking at the things I need to look at because right. everything, like I said, my team takes care of a good bit of it for me. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's no fires and right. somebody would let me know. And as long as there's no fire, I, I don't have a problem being able to say, yeah, let's do that. And then and now there are times where I would say, yeah, let's do that. And then I have to step away or mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. So last Thursday, I was actually playing golf Thursday afternoon. We teed off at two o'clock and I had a client that had an issue and she went on and she used my Calendly link. And at three o'clock, she wanted to have a call. Oh. Now it was only going to be five or 10 minutes. And yeah. I didn't block it off because I, I didn't need to. So yeah. I literally just walked away. They teed off on the fifth hole. I took her call for 10 minutes and met him on the sixth tee. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. I, mean, I, I just walked away and met him on the next tee. I mean, yeah. so I think that there's, there's a little bit of both. Cause I do think you need to have that mentality of, I'm going to be, I'm going to go above and beyond and be the best that I can be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think at least in my opinion, once we've earned the, the right to be able to take some time, we should take some time. Yeah. Right. As it goes by too fast. Like I said, right. I'm, I'm getting old now. So for me, like I, it's, especially after having my son, I've, I've now made it a point to make that time. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think, too, because I just started my business this year. I mean, this is my fifth business I've owned. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think just when you're starting to launch your business, uh, especially, like, uh, at least for me, like, you had a complete different approach because you had a full-time job and you're working that world. But now, like, I have to hustle. I have to go out um, on weekends, network, uh, you know, work long days, but I don't mind it e- either. Like I enjoy it. You know, if I hated it, then I probably, I, if I hated something, I wouldn't do it. That's the thing. Yeah. So that's just my mentality too. You know, 
I'm not doing this because I have to. Yeah. Or, I mean, I'm doing it because I have to, but it's also fun. Yeah, right. Time, well, it doesn't feel it. like work. Yeah, I worked exactly. yesterday, too. And it yeah. was better because no one was bothering me. And yeah. I could set up my day for today. There you go. And I get my me time for like two hours a day, two or three hours a day yeah, when I go good. train. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap this up. My my battery is going to die soon. So, <laughs> um, How do people connect with you, Mike? on uh on social what's the best platform so you can you can find the company anywhere at problem solvers with no o p r b l e m solvers mm -hmm. uh, or you can find me it's mike roofing r u f f i n g on just about every platform as well right. so yeah. i'm out i'm out and about and uh, i do i do still answer my own stuff so yeah. when people send me messages you might get you might get the real me which is always a win uh, yeah. you, never, you never quite know what i'll say so <laughs> that's cool and are you coming back to social media marketing world next year we will be there uh, it is 50 50 whether or not i will be there okay um I, I play in a golf tournament every march and it's always the week after social media marketing world mm. and this year i believe the schedule is going to change for one or the other and they may conflict um, so I, I am on the fence, but I can promise you my team will be there. Okay. And maybe this year I can introduce you to Karen because I think yeah. I would like her a lot. Yeah, I definitely would love to meet her. I'm going to be an attendee next year, not a volunteer. So I'm excited to experience it as an attendee because I've only been as a volunteer, which is completely different. So. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, I think you'll enjoy it. I, I like it. Like I said, for me, there, there's there's two, and it's off topic, but there's two conferences that we go to every year. And it's mm -hmm. Social Media Marketing World and Content Marketing World in Cleveland. And yeah. I think they're two of the best conferences out there as far as actually getting training work and, and things that people can use to actually get better at what we do. Yeah. And I know we, we, we're trying to wrap up, but I do want to say that, like, I'm going, I'm making it a point for next year to go to conferences that are outside of the marketing world, because while I love learning new things, I feel that the people that really need us are at these other right parts. Yeah. So, and, and I'm, I'm going to one this weekend or early next week and it's military because I'm involved with a nonprofit that's started by veterans. So I'm going for that. So it's a completely like military only conference military focused on, um, and then I do trade shows with clients. So, um, that's kind of fun. I'm doing a plastic surgery one in, in September. So I might need to go to that one. You might need to go to that one. <laughs> yeah. It'll be interesting. I'll have to give you some feedback because it's like the targeted types of businesses B2B, but, um, it's a completely different experience and it, you're not around marketing people. Yeah. Right? So like you have to see how it is, how it will be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Uh, we will definitely put this up on our YouTube. Or it's on YouTube right now. So uh, you can go ahead and tell people to go to businessafpod.com and look for your, your show. And then hopefully uh, we'll have you on again sometime soon. Will do. Thank you both for having me. And I look forward to it. I'd love to come back whenever you guys need me. Awesome. Thank you All so right, much. Nice meeting you, Mike. This is the Business AF Podcast where it's all business most of the time. You can listen on iTunes, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can subscribe to us on YouTube at businessafpod.com. If you like what you hear and you want to let people know, don't forget to tag us using hashtag businessaf.